Hello and welcome to In Defense of a Movie Podcast. And this is the moment you've all been waiting for. The episode where we finally tackle Jack and Jill and Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> yes. We're, we're going to be talking about Jack and Jill, but... Aaron, is it safe to say that you can basically take whatever we say in this episode and, like, apply it to every other Adam Sandler movie? (laughs) Yes. So the funny thing is, uh, when we originally started this podcast, we started making a list of, uh, like, a curated, curated list of bad movies. And, you know, in doing research... Adam Sandler's name came up multiple, multiple <laughs> times. Here, yeah. To the point where I couldn't just write down like each and every movie of his on this list and just have it all generalized as Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> right. So we had to pick one. Um, do you know the stat off the top of your head of like how many movies are relate like rated below 50% and how many are like actually? Because I, I swear it's like. I think he has around four movies that I uh, that are above eighty percent. Oh yeah, it's pretty unreal. Like yeah. th- this one in particular, the Rotten Tomato score sits at three percent. So we're back mm-hmm. down to like the basement for this one. Um, but the audience yeah. score is thirty six percent. So a fair bit of a disconnect there. Um, it's worth mentioning this was shot on a budget of seventy nine million, and the global box office was a hundred and forty nine point seven million dollars. Hmm. Aaron, th- it's worth mentioning that as critically panned as a lot of Adam Sandler movies are, um, it's worth mentioning that we're about to try, quote-unquote, defending a guy who's worth $420 million. Adam Sandler's yeah, it, net it, worth is literally almost half a billion dollars. Yeah, and uh, sorry, so is that a lot for a uh, a celebrity, like a movie actor? So he is the, uh, from the list I saw, he was the seventh highest paid actor in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, I, this was crazy. This is a crazy fact, kind of unrelated. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld actually topped the list with a staggering $950 million in net worth. Oh wow! Yeah, so Jerry but Seinfeld. But he he must make he must make insane amount of money from like reruns of uh, Seinfeld and whatnot. Yeah, I thought so too, but I didn't think he was like a billionaire. But that's insane. Yeah. Oh wow. So it's kind was, of. Uh, sorry, was any of the cast of Friends on that list? Oh, good question. Um, let's have a look here. Um, in the well, ahead of ahead of Adam Sandler, I don't think so. No, we had like Mel Gibson, George okay. Clooney, Tom Cruise, Tyler Perry. Mel Gibson, that's a, another surprising one. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting, Aaron, because we're we're talking about a movie um, where the guy behind it, Adam Sandler, he's produced something like 15 films that have all grossed over $100 million. Mm-hmm. When we're, when we're defending Jack and Jill... It's it's important to set the precedent that like we're talking strictly about like our personal tastes and critical rating because like yeah. his movies make money. There is an audience out there for these films. So if you already think that mm-hmm. Adam Sandler is the best thing since sliced bread, um, this episode might not do much for you in terms of like enriching uh, your your fondness for this particular film. Um, yeah. But if if you're if you don't prefer Adam Sandler movies, specifically Jack and Jill, um, you mm-hmm. might be really shocked by what you uh, by what we've uncovered here. <laughs> what do you think it is about Adam Sandler movies um, and why they are so so successful in the box office, despite them having like pretty much all of them having such low ratings? Honestly, this is this is probably the million dollar question. Is this is so fascinating yeah. to me because for for decades now, Adam Sandler has been enriching his friends and and uh, mm-hmm. churning out these movies that are full of product placement and fart jokes and what I would mm-hmm. con- consider kind of lazy humor, but they're also yeah. very polished. They're very marketable. For the most part, they're almost family-friendly, if you'll believe it. And yeah. uh, honestly, I feel like, how do you say, there's like a comfort in his predictability. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's like a yeah. safe choice. He's almost like The Rock uh, in the sense of The Rock is kind of like a staple in action movies. Always, uh, even if they kind of flop, he still makes a ton of movie. Like he's he's what they right now. I think he's like Hollywood's most bankable like actor right now. Yeah, yeah, um, one of the highest. And so in the world, it, yeah. 
Yeah, so so it seems like Adam Sandler has carved himself out a niche with this like low low hanging fruit joke movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Adam Sandler is a brilliant businessman. We talked about certain actors when we were, I think we were doing the all about Steve episode, we talked about Sandra Bullock kind of doing this where and and it's like the rock mm-hmm. like you mentioned, certain actors and actresses have elevated themselves to like brand status. And it's yeah. a whole other ball game, and uh, yeah, honestly, Jack and Jill represents the culmination of like two decades of of um, uh, two decades of momentum in filmmaking. And Aaron, I'm going to say this right now: if you don't think this movie is extraordinary, then you're not paying attention <laughs> to what Adam Sandler has done here. It's it's unbelievable. It's unprecedented, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. Um it was it was an absolute riot. Honestly, I I had a really hard time with this movie. I thought it was so obnoxious. Um but the more again, like every other movie, the more I dug into it, the more I researched, uh the more mm-hmm. I was just fascinated by everything going on. Yeah. Um, Aaron, I want to take you back to 2008. This movie came out in 2011, but I want to take you back to 2008 because I have okay. a th- I have a theory about this movie, and it kind of frames up the whole discussion here for me. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember a film called Tropic Thunder? I do. Do you remember at the start of that film, there were fake previews to other films and fake commercials that were kind of framing up the characters in that movie? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there one uh, about like Nicolas Cage or something? There, there were a few. There, there were a few. But the ones I want to focus on is one of the characters in that film. I think it's literally the first thing you see. Yeah. was named Alpa Chino, and he was like that rapper guy. Oh yeah, okay. Remember that he was selling like that booty sweat energy drink or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Okay, and then like two previews later. You had Jack Black spoofing sort of like the Tyler Perry style movie called The Fatties, where Jack Black was playing every character, right? And it was all yeah, fart yeah, yeah. jokes and blah, 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 blah. Was that a, I thought that was a play on Nutty Professor. Or is that a Tyler Perry movie? Uh, I think, it, yeah, Nutty Professor and Tyler Perry. It's kind of parodying those that genre. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I imagined somewhere in like one of six dens in Adam Sandler's house, him watching this movie and going, Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Al Pacino. <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> then 2008, right? 9, 10, 11. Mm-hmm. Three years later, this movie comes to theaters. Coincidence? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jack and Jill was directed by Dennis Duggan, who is a longtime mm-hmm. Long-time directing partner with Adam Sandler. He's directed, I don't even know yeah. how many of his films, like probably 10 or 12. Um, mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, of course, plays Jack and Jill. Um, as you mentioned, Al Pacino is in this movie as himself. And yeah. Katie Holmes, for some reason, is in this film. Yeah. As Aaron. Great name, Great by the name. Way. Great name. <laughs> Aaron, this is a Sony film, Columbia. No surprise yeah. there. Happy Madison Pictures. Production, sorry. Yeah. And as a cool little full circle thing, this is Dana Carvey's first motion picture since The Master of Disguise. (laughs) Again, we've come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. So he is the grandma at the Mexican, uh, like, birthday party, right? No, he's not. Not? Oh, I was like, that has to be him. No, it's the same. Crazy. Yeah, I thought it was too. And actually, I was hoping it was, but it was actually the same actor who played uh, Felipe, that uh, Eugenio. Okay. Eugenio Derbez. I hope I didn't butcher his name. Um, Uh, It can't can't be worse than Gene (laughs) Reno. Gene Reno. (laughs) Eugenio Derbez was just in that Dora the Explorer movie I watched a few weeks back. Oh, okay. So. Aaron, for for years now, Adam Sandler has been yeah. rounding up his friends and making mm-hmm. these these low bar, low brow fart joke movies full of product placements, making his friends rich, taking the money and running. Um, I guess the best way to start our conversation would be: What is your overall opinion of Adam Sandler? Um, you know, for me, I think that. 
he just takes me back to because like a lot a lot of when Adam Sandler was becoming big and stuff, you know, I was a teenager, kind of like my young adults uh, years. Like I always think of uh, what is it, Billy Madison, yeah, uh, Happy Gilmore. Uh, what are the other other big ones? Um, Little Nicky, uh, Mr. Deeds, yeah, yeah like Mr. Those, Deeds. those types of movies. Growing like growing up, uh, being young and watching those movies, and to you, when you're younger, you're not really thinking about things uh, critically, right? Yeah. You're thinking about, well, did it make me laugh? Did it? Did I have like fun watching it? And Adam Sandler checks all of those boxes. Like it's it's always a good time anytime you watch any of his movies. Uh, yeah, you know what? You may feel a little bit guilty because you're laughing at like the low low hanging fruit jokes, but you know, I I will admit that I'm a sucker for them and I'll always laugh at them. So that's that's kind of why I like uh, that's kind of what like Adam Sandler movies are to me. What about you? So I agree with you on like the the nostalgic side of things, like the originals, like mm-hmm. Happy Madison, uh, Happy, you know, or sorry, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Little Nicky, yeah, all the stuff. But I haven't enjoyed a uh, modern Adam Sandler film for quite some time. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but only because I've I've been so attuned to the the um like the inner workings of them if that makes sense mm-hmm. um i find it hard to enjoy an adam sandler film these days because i again we talked we touched on it when we talked about the emoji movie which is interesting because there actually is a connection to the emoji movie in this film i want to talk about but aaron the product placement it comes at you hard mm-hmm. and fast and i just can't get past it man yeah it's too much for me my threshold um, has been violated by this film in a lot of different ways. <laughs> this uh, this film was just one giant Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Oh man, but yeah, there's so much more. Um, Aaron, mm-hmm. um, is, except for the phrase Dunkachino, um, I wrote down that they said the name Dunkin' Donuts seven times in this movie. Mm-hmm. Not enough. <laughs> need more. This movie clocks in an hour and a half like by the book hour and a half comedy okay this is going to be exhausting but i'm going to read all of the brands that they verbally mentioned in this movie okay okay lay it on me so uh, our our podcast usually run about an hour which is a half hour shorter than this movie so imagine (laughs) imagine if we had somehow jammed all of these all of these brand names into our podcast. And then imagine that we had gotten kickbacks for every single one Mm -hmm. of these. Because even though this movie made like $149.7 million, that isn't counting what Adam Sandler saw in ad revenue and kickback. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a whole piece of the pie here that's not really publicly available. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so check this out. Oh, this is exhausting. Pepto-Bismol, Dunkin' Donuts, Radio Shack, Diet Coke, American Airlines, Hilton, Macy's, Marshalls, Sony. Um, we have Prices Right and, of course, CBS Television by extension, Match.com, eHarmony, mm-hmm. King Ham. Uh, <laughs> what else do we have? Craigslist, Maxim, Twitter, Casual Encounters, Subway, ShamWow, Royal Caribbean, Slim Fast, Justin Bieber merchandise, Star Wars merchandise, and of course the LA Lakers. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah, that is a lot. You might just watch this movie and think that it's a bunch of like interconnected fart jokes. Uh-huh. But nothing in his films is by accident. Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. everything is calculated, and the if if you're not paying attention to that, you'll miss the 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 genius to Adam Sandler films. Mm-hmm. Like if your goal is to make money in Hollywood, um, you need to intern under Adam Sandler. Is what I'm saying because it's mm. unbelievable. Like we're talking about a guy who went from writing on SNL in like 1990 to one of the yeah. richest men in Hollywood in what 20 years. Not even? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's extraordinary. He knows how to get stuff done. Absolutely. He knows how to He knows how to sell products. Yeah, and if you think these things are by accident, I just want to reference the closing credits. At the very, very end of the credits, it literally... Uh, the, the, Johnny Depp is in this film for a cameo. And yeah. at first I was like, oh, he's wearing a Justin Bieber shirt. That's really weird, but kind of funny. I guess. Yeah. I guess Johnny Depp would do that. 
But then at the very end of the credits, you'll see that it says Justin Bieber merchandise supplied by blank, blank, blank. And then it says oh, wow. Star Wars merchandise supplied by blank, blank, blank. So what I'm saying is, like, it's not just Johnny Depp being eccentric. We're saying Johnny Depp's in this movie and Adam Sandler negotiated a deal to advertise for Justin Bieber for Johnny Depp mm-hmm. to wear that T-shirt in the Lakers scene. Yeah. There is a next level business brilliance to this film that, like, Mm -hmm. it's shocking. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So do you think that, uh, because, like, you know, David Spade's in this, Dana Carvey, like, Tim Meadows, uh, Al Pacino, Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny Depp, (laughs) there's more people (laughs) that I'm sure I'm missing right now, Mm -hmm. and... Do you think that they go they they like um will guest star in this movie or or make a cameo in this movie um and they get paid for it or do you think that he like cuts a deal with them? Or, oh yeah, like, they get I, like how I think that they yeah. get paid and I think that Adam Sandler behind closed doors more or less has like uh advertising um percentage deals with yeah. everybody. Um because this movie was made for $79 million, and it's hard mm-hmm. to square that with everything that you see on screen. Mm-hmm. But if you... F- like, fa- Al Pacino in this movie, he's, a, he, you know, like, I, he's just like he, he Godfather, right? Yeah. Like, like, why would you want to be in a Jack and Jill, Jill movie with Adam Sandler that you know is going to be, like, pretty mediocre? And... Uh, so it so it always blows my mind. So they there must be some sort of like, like incentive for them to do it. And I can't see a one time uh, like payment being enough. You know, like they have mm. to be having some like residual money coming in. It's insane. Yeah, like the, who knows? They might get a quarter every time someone walks into Dunkin' Donuts and says, "I want a uh, Dunkachino." Dunkachino. Yeah. Like Adam Sandler took home twenty million dollars from this movie. Um that's yeah. that's just from like the movie production. Um Oh, I wonder how much Jill made. <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> also, this film was shot at Sony Pictures in Culver City, California. Like yeah. the entire thing is shot in a back lot. It's chock full of product placement. It's got cameos. Mm-hmm. Aaron, this is as far as movies go, this is just about the laziest movie you could possibly make. <laughs> yeah, it is, actually. It is very lazy. Like, this is... Like, Dana Carvey worked harder in Master of Disguise than, than Adam Sandler did on this movie. Yeah. And it still raked in a hundred and nearly $150 million plus whatever the advertisement, like, uh, residuals mm-hmm. were, right? So. Yeah. That's kind of the setup for this movie. Going into this movie, mm-hmm. we're talking about a guy who really needs no defense. We're talking about mm-hmm. a movie genre that really defends itself because if you like Adam Sandler movies, then you know you're already on board. <laughs> and if you don't like Adam Sandler movies, um, then you have to appreciate the brilliance of this guy and what he's actually doing for himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, Aaron, first off. Why are we talking about this film? And second off, what is this film actually about? So this movie is a Thanksgiving movie. And um, yeah, we, we decided to do this one. And we did a little bit of a, decided to do a little bit of switch switch with Thanksgiving. Because originally we were planning to release that. Um, but we reached out to the director of Thanksgiving. And uh, we got an interview with him. Yeah. So we decided to push back Thanksgiving a little bit and uh, swapped it with Jack and Jill because we were originally going to do this for American Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, with that being said, uh, let me take you into the plot. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm so excited. We got, yeah, so we got obviously Adam Sandler as Jack and Jill. Big surprise there. <laughs> uh, Al Pacino as Al Pacino. Katie Holmes as Aaron. Um and then I think you probably just need to know, like, Nick Swardson as Todd, which is, like, his, um, uh, what is it, secretary kind of? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like the assistant. usual, like, rogues gallery of yeah, Adam yeah. Sandler and friends. It, and then Tim Meadows is obviously someone that also works for Adam Sandler's uh, company. And there's there's I, there's lots of uh, cameos in here, and we'll kind of briefly touch on them, but they're not, like, pertinent to the story. Um, so, 
so what happens is Adam Sandler is a, what is he, like a commercial producer? He's an ad executive. Yeah, so he he has a company which is that uh, which is absolutely yeah. brilliant, by the way. If you're trying to put ads in your film, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, genius. And uh, so so he makes ads for um, obviously Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> and what was the other one? What was the ham that Shaq was like holding? Oh, King Ham. Uh, King Hams, yeah. So he <laughs> he does like various things like that, and and uh, he lives in where is it is it L.A. Mm-hmm. So he lives in L.A. and uh, it's Thanksgiving, and obviously he invites his twin sister over, um, who is Jill, played by Adam Sattler. and uh, she is just a um, eccentric. Uh, homebody, weirdo, uh, very manly woman. Yeah. And Adam Sandler, his character, Jack, <laughs> he is just like annoyed with her because I guess all throughout their life, um, she has just been like kind of over, what, almost overbearing with him. Yeah. Really and pushing so she kind the of like twin mo- agenda. Yeah, and so he kind of, like, moves away, gets away from her, and only wants to see her on, like, special occasions. And uh, to make the situation a little bit more difficult is their, I guess, their mother died, so Jill is all alone and um, feeling, like, left out living in the Bronx all by herself. And so she she really feels that she needs that, like, family time and stuff. And obviously, uh, Jack doesn't want to be seen with her whatsoever. Yeah. And the way that he they kind of portray Jack is that he is like the guy that everybody likes, you know, that uh gets everything on their first try kind of thing and and so and then Jill is just kind of like a bumbling like nobody likes me type of person. Right. Um so what happens is uh <laughs> in the movie uh they are trying to do an advertisement for Dunkin' Donuts. And if uh, Dunkin' Donuts is going to pull their advertisement if uh, Jack doesn't land Al Pacino to promote Dunkin' Donuts. Genius. And so so conveniently enough, Al Pacino has, like, a meltdown while doing, like, a play. Yeah. And, and so Jack tries to recruit him to do the commercial. In doing so, he brings Jill with him. And uh, Al Pacino, I guess, has the hots for Jill. Naturally. Yeah. And (laughs) um, so I guess the other part of the movie is just kind of like Al Pacino chasing around Jill and Jack, like, trying to make Jill hang around so that Al Pacino will do the commercial. Uh, Obviously, through the course of the movie, Jack obviously realizes that he was wrong and he shouldn't be treating his sister like that. And, uh, you know obviously smartens up towards the end of the movie yeah it takes him a while but he gets there yeah yeah and like and then in between that just a bunch of low fruit hanging jokes and fart and poop jokes <laughs> yeah and sweat jokes there's fart jokes before like the three minute mark in this film yeah yeah it's really the culmination of two decades of extraordinary work. <laughs> I am, I will say though, I am a fan of the fart joke. Like, there is nothing better than a well timed fart joke. That one scene where he's talking to her while she's in the bathroom dealing with like the Mexican food. And, oh, yeah. You know, uh, my wife came and sat down on the couch because she was kind of like, What are you watching? And she sat yeah. down right at the start of that scene. And, I could tell that she didn't want to laugh at it, but we both couldn't help it because we were we were both kind of being cynical about it. But then that scene, it was like, come on, man. Like, I, yeah. I felt it was like such a guilty laugh because I'm like, man, I'm having such a hard time with this film. But he got me with a mm-hmm. stupid fart joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So good. Yeah. Honestly, um, my first note here, Aaron, says... Pepto-Bismol, Dana Carvey, Regis Philbin, my brain exploded. (laughs) Yeah, don't forget about uh, Jared the Subway guy. Before we found out he was a pedophile anyways. Oh, yeah. Who else could make this movie? Yeah, he, you know what? He does a good job. For me, obviously, the things that stuck out to me the most was uh, the Dunkin' Donuts because they just blatantly... You know, we're saying that in the movie. Yeah. But other than that, I I was, 
the product placement for me again doesn't bother me. Right. And here's my def- here's my defense in movies that do product placement. And for any of the any of you who are listening right now, like if you just look around, um, like your areas, like like you're gonna have name brand stuff. Like I have a MacBook that I'm using for recording. There's a Tim Hortons cup in front of me. <laughs> I have like a Yeti mug sitting here, right? <laughs> and this is all just just stuff like that that's around me, right? But now think of that in a movie, right? Like you're gonna have things that are made by like brand names. So right. why wouldn't you – you're going to have those things in your movie. So why wouldn't you try to get them to like uh, like advertisement, right? Right. So that's my defense of product placement. And here's what else is really, really fascinating about this film. This trailer was so notoriously bad. It had like 10 times the amount of disc likes than likes on YouTube and everything else, right? Um, yeah. This movie, when you saw that trailer, Aaron – it's hard to believe that people watched that trailer and thought, I'm going to go see that. I'm going to go spend money on that instead of whatever else was in theaters at that time. Because mm-hmm. this is like one of his last um, theatrical movies before he got that Netflix deal, right? Yeah. So what's crazy is like, while we were all sharpening our pitchforks uh, as mm-hmm. you know, and forming our hot takes on whatever this movie was going to be, Adam Sandler was planning where he was going to put his new pool. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, this whole movie was designed to be so shockingly bad that people would have to go see it and they'd have to go talk about it. And then what are they doing? <laughs> They're increasing the brand awareness of all the product placement that's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's unbelievable what he did with this freaking film. Yeah. You had people coming out of it and being like, man, you won't believe how many times he says Dunkin' Donuts and that Al Pacino Dunkin' Donuts moment. <laughs> and then people are going on YouTube. What are they doing? They're watching this Al Pacino Dunkin' Donuts movie. But what are you actually yeah. doing? You're watching an advertisement. And yeah. it, it, it makes my my it makes my brain hurt because I just can't fathom the amount of money that Adam Sandler actually made off this film because of all this. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the things that... Uh, in reading about this movie and doing research, I I seen a lot of people that were just absolutely like just so offended by his character Jill. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that like they were just like I can't believe that he uh, you know dressed as a oh, woman man. and blah blah blah. And then he kept they kept drawing to uh, like similarities between uh, like Mrs. Doubtfire and I think there was another Dustin Hoffman movie where he cross dresses and stuff. And they were saying that. Adam Sandler's, like, cross-dressing or character as Jill was, like, not tasteful whatsoever. It wasn't meant and, to be. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that uh, that's... That's where that's where I continuously get confused about this. Whenever I read the reviews that other people um, <laughs> write about it. Because right. I, I, in my head, I'm like... Like, I know going into watching any Adam Sandler movie, like, I'm not going to have some, like, epiphany and my life is going to be changed and I'm going to come out a better person. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I know I'm going to go into this movie and I'm going to be, like, entertained and I'm going to laugh my ass off, right? Right. Yeah, one of the reviews I wrote down here was someone wrote, I didn't, I sorry, I should cite this kind of thing, but I didn't for this one. It just wrote, impossible to recommend on any level possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was another one that was like, just like at the end of the movie when Al Pacino says, burn this. <laughs> He's like, they should have done this with this movie. And I was, uh, wow, see? those are like so extreme. Yeah, it's 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 too easy to hate this film, man. You have to pay attention to this as a film as a mm-hmm. film buff. You have to look behind the curtain to really understand what's going on here because it's again like all all other Adam Sandler films, there's some really great stuff. Um that people can learn from. And you can't tell me people like The Rock didn't learn from Adam Sandler. Like, this stuff had mm-hmm. a permanent effect on Hollywood. Do I like it personally? No. But I understand it. And I think the key to understanding it is, like, um, it, it's enriching to your overall perspective on movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you this question. Yeah. When uh, Another thing when I was reading a lot of these reviews is a lot of people were saying that um, Adam Sandler has fallen victim to the Eddie Murphy syndrome. Oh, what's that? Uh, 
Yeah, okay, so for, so Urban Dictionary defines, <laughs> like, I know Urban Dictionary is not the best place, but for, in terms of, like, new age kind of definitions of stuff, um, it seems to be pretty good. But to make great movies that are funny in the beginning of your career, then slowly whore yourself out to any <laughs> studio willing to pay you money to make anything, often include dressing as a woman and or obscene person. So, um, like, early in Eddie Murphy's career, you have Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, mm. Beverly Hills Cop 2, Coming to America. And then in the later part of his career, you got, like, Nutty Professor, Dr. Doolittle, uh, Nutty Professor 2, Shrek, Daddy Daycare, and so, and Norbert. So, he goes he goes on to the other, other side of things where he can't make movies for adults and serious movies. Right. But he can make, like, goofy kids movies because that's the only way he can, like, market himself. Mm. But it's interesting. It's interesting. Interesting now that you bring up how the way that he markets um, with like uh, all the product placement and stuff because I don't think Eddie Murphy ever did that, right? Right. Eddie Murphy seemed seemed like he was just um, like trying to hold on for as long as he can, right? Right. And he wasn't necessarily making a ton of movie, ton of money. Sorry. And uh, but Adam Sandler has like figured out the magic formula where he mm-hmm. can make these like whatever movies and still still make a ton of money off of them. Yeah, it's it's insane and you have to understand that like Adam Sandler is including all of his SNL friends in this scheme. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. Yeah. And like we're talking about 10 in some cases 15 years later and um it's it's extremely relatable. Um, because there's a bit of a mm-hmm. ceiling on comedy. There's a ceiling on comedic act, comedic actors in general, where like you can only get so big. And there's very few comedians that have actually bust through that ceiling in a conventional way. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at a comedian, say like Kevin Hart, who can sell out like stadiums. Um, yeah, the natural progression for someone like that was to get into movies. And then the natural yeah. progression from there is to get into brands and to get into causes and donations and to build your brand. And, you know, he has like, uh, Kevin Hart has numerous things that he's got his hands in now. Like, um, mm-hmm. in modern day business and modern day filmmaking, modern day wealth, however you want to label it. Um, there's certain tiers that if you watch the trajectory of any big actor or actress's career, you can see them kind of naturally taking those steps as they grow. Yeah. And I feel like Adam Sandler was a bit of a trailblazer in this. Mm-hmm. I'd say he's still leading the pack in it, too. Well, that's what's insane. Like, the, Dwayne Johnson wasn't on that list, on the list that I saw. Like, sure, yeah. he's one of the highest paid actors now, but in terms of overall estimated wealth, he's still not in that upper echelon. Despite wow. despite his workout gear and tequila and oh my gosh my brain just you know, water yeah uh, yeah <laughs> air water earth whatever he's <laughs> sweat yeah pretty sure there's gonna he be rock sweat. sweat rock sweat <laughs> Aaron one of the things I wanted to mention which was really crazy um I was trying to figure out why this movie looked so good because the the cinematography is very um very precise and very locked down and very nice and the coloring is very like everything looks so stinking good in this film for some reason mm-hmm. and i was so struck by how good this looked as like a comedy like as a just whatever you know um mm-hmm. so i looked into this and check this out aaron the cinematography was done by a guy named dean cundy who is the director of photography for jurassic park Oh, wow. Um, the visual effects were done by Method Studios here in Vancouver. Um, the digital colorist, Trent Johnson, was the same guy that worked on the Emoji movie and mm-hmm. 150 other like films and TV and a lot of cartoons and stuff. Oh, wow. So the colorist of this film was used to working on cartoons where you want the colors to just pop right out of your head, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the big one. Dan DeLeu was the vi- visual effects supervisor who was the visual effects supervisor for Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, Captain America Winter Soldier, Civil War, Iron Man 3, and so on and so on. The Night at the Museum movies. Holy smokes. What I'm trying to say is Adam Sandler assembled a crack team of filmmakers who could make your eyes pop out of your skull watching this film. (laughs) 
and he used it to transform himself into a woman. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, like, we haven't even talked about the film per se, uh, but just the background of it. Man, you, like, yeah. it is extraordinary the amount of uh, science that goes into these stinking films. You know where all the visual effects went to? Into that one scene where he, where Jill wants to ride the horse and then the legs oh, like yeah. cave out underneath it. Oh my gosh. And then when the, the birds that. in that chocolate fountain, that one was shocking oh, too. Oh yeah. That just looked, yeah. that was a weird striking image. There's so much cutaway humor in this film where that, that bird is just doing weird things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have a question here. Sure. One thing, like this is this is where I would say my biggest bone to pick with uh, Adam Sandler movies comes in. Yeah. And that's like I I feel like every single movie that he's in, he always plays like the ballin' cool guy, has the awesome job, has a hot wife, mm-hmm. has super cute kids, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he always has his like rat pack of uh, guys in there that that he just kind of like pokes fun at and makes fun of them, right. And so this kind of drives me insane because like, um, like I'm always a fan of like the underdog and he never plays the underdog. He's always just like the super cool guy who just comes to a realization at the end of the movie. And what I would like to see is maybe Adam Sandler kind of like humble himself, but it doesn't ever, he never seems like he's coming from like a humble point of view in any of his movies. No, not in his movies. It's unless it's handled by someone else, like unless he's taking a dramatic turn in like yeah. someone else's directorial film. Yeah, in his core films, it's so weird because he makes all his friends like subservient to him. Yeah. But then he gives them like mad cash payouts on all these films. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he like. He built Rob uh, Schneider's career, right? Well, yeah, totally. And even David, like, what's David Spade doing but wow. showing up in Adam Sandler movies these days? No, David Spade has his own stuff kind of going on. I would say David Spade was... He's exempt? Little, Yeah, David Spade is an exempt. I think David Spade only comes back and does them because he's got nothing better to do kind of thing. What about Nick Swardson? <laughs> Nick Swardson, now that's another confusing thing, because Nick Swardson seemed like he was going to be an up-and-coming like comedian, actor, and stuff. I agree. But then, I don't know if it was the fact that he just attached himself to Adam Sandler or what, but like he's in almost every Adam Sandler movie as well. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, and he has some funny moments, for sure, in this film even, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's in that, what is it, that just just go with it? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, he's in that movie. Yeah, he's he's in a lot of them. It's unreal, man. Yeah. I For once, I would just like to see Adam Sandler maybe not play, play like such a ball and roll, you know? You know what I think it is? I think Adam Sandler is trying to portray some sort of um, idealized American dad. Mm. Okay. It just seems like he's uh, full of himself. That's how I view it. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that's how it comes off to me all the time is that he's just like, wow, whatever. It's like I'm making these movies, so I'm going to play this like totally awesome cool guy. That's and... funny because I don't I, n- I never interpret him as like an awesome cool guy. I always interpret him as kind of this schlubby, lazy, low energy kind of guy who's mm. just kind of like, you know, slumming through life. What? Well, well, I mean, like, look at look at his characters, right? So we have uh, Jack and Jill. Jack, he is like the cool one out of the two. You know, he's like a millionaire. Um, beautiful ha- house has a beautiful house. Has a hot wife. Uh, what's the other movies like? Uh, Grown Ups. Again, he's he's like has a hot wife, <laughs> beautiful house, and it, it, it's like it's almost virtually like the same career kind of uh, in Grown Ups. Um, like in all of them, even in uh, like Mr. Deeds too, he just plays that like cool uh, roommate guy, like single roommate guy that's there that does like cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Like he's, he's always portrayed as like the cool guy. Yeah. And, and, and so I don't know. I just find it weird that like he can't ever play anything not but the cool guy. Did you ever watch that one uh, called The Do-Over, the Netflix one with uh, Adam Sandler no, and David Spade? No, I, ha- I haven't seen that. So the only Adam Sandler one that I've seen so far was um, was The Ridiculous Six. Yeah, I watched that one. And, <laughs> and 
<laughs> and uh, and then uh, the Sandy Wexler one. But the Sandy right. Wexler one was like, I wa- I started watching that thinking it was going to be an Adam Sandler movie. Right. And then I was just confused of what was going on in that movie and was not, was not my cup of tea anyways. It's pretty funny. The more I look at his filmography, the more I realize how many of his movies I've tried watching but yeah. inevitably end up shutting off for one reason or another. I mean... Oh, what's what's that movie where he makes uh, the cobbler? Oh yeah, we make, that yeah. was another movie where I was like expecting him to um, to like get funny and be an Adam Sandler loaf root egg and jokes, um, and it didn't happen. This must speak to my overall like nostalgia of Adam Sandler because I I'm always giving him the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. Like I always yeah. go back to his movies. Like even if I'm like, no, I know exactly to a T. I, I could literally give you like a paint by numbers page of like what an Adam Sandler movie would be, but for some reason, yeah. Aaron, twenty nineteen, I still, I still sit down to watch them, and and like ninety nine percent of the time, I'm like, nah, nah, I don't, it's not for me, <laughs> but I yeah. keep trying, and I don't know why. I it's it's exactly what you say. It's the nostalgia. Like you think of Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and stuff. Like I remember being in was a high school or junior high and like, quoting those movies with my friends and like laughing about how funny they were. Adam Sandler speaks to a very specific generation, mm-hmm. and I think it's our generation. I think it's like thirty somethings. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, but he does it so well. Like again, like I'm I'm coming from a place of. Full admittance, I struggled with Jack and Jill. I didn't find it very funny. I thought it was super obnoxious, but I was able to dissect it strictly from like a, like almost like a, uh, mm-hmm. a, uh, academic <laughs> yeah. point of view. And I'm like, I, I see what he's doing. He's creating this beautiful, polished, um, you know, American dream style movie where everything looks great and it's shot great and the colors are like just. Uh, there, there's air in the saturation on this film. The colors are so vivid. Like if you're watching mm-hmm. this in like 4K, it's 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 like it's like heroin for your eyes. But then mm-hmm. the actual content is literally just an hour and a half of advertisements and cameos. Mm-hmm. Have you seen uh, bedtime stories? No, I haven't seen bedtime stories. Okay, I was just thinking about that because I feel like in that movie he kind of plays a bit of the underdog. And so, and I ended up really, like, really enjoying that movie. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely one to check out to get to get like a different side of Adam Sandler. Anyways, yeah, he has like seventy five acting credits on IMDb. Hey, mm-hmm. It's it's and it's insane how many how many of those movies are not rated well. Hey, yeah, it's important to note that Billy Madison came out in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Can you name another actor's career that has shot up into the cosmos that quickly? And is still going, like, decently strong? Yeah, like, he's got a straight-up Netflix deal, but he's still doing dramatic turns just for the sake of actually yeah. doing some acting. No, I don't think I can. The thing, Especially not from, like, the SNL crew, anyways. Well, yeah, I think I feel like most of them are, like, resting on their laurels at this point in time, but... Um, yeah. What I respect about Adam Sandler is that he will do these dramatic turns and actually do some acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has the Adam Sandler brand films, which at this point we're all very familiar with. But every once yeah. in a while, he'll do some. He'll turn in some really nuanced dramatic performance that makes us all go, "Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, this guy actually can act." Like, look at that. Yeah, like uh, funny people, or, or what was the other one? Spanglish. Spanglish. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, he's got a new one coming out. Actually, it's coming out right quick here called Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems, eh? Yeah. And in that one, it's a, I think it's a straight up drama as well. It's a comedy. Oh, okay. It says comedy crime drama. But um, yeah, from what I saw from the tri- uh, from what I've seen so far, um, he's playing a very different character in that. Yeah. But like how confused are you whenever he comes out with these movies where he's he's playing a serious role and you're, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> you you almost get caught off like a little caught off guard a little bit." A little bit, but I don't know, there's something about it that makes me respect him more as like a businessman. Mhm. Because I don't see the Adam Sandler Happy Madison production films as like the true self. I see those yeah. as like the make money, make money. Um, whereas the dramatic turns, I see those as like the true expression of him as 
can't believe I'm saying this as an artist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I see the dramatic acting as Adam Sandler actually saying, I'm going to do some acting today. Whereas mm-hmm. Happy Madison films, he's just being lazy and schlubbing his way through to a paycheck, um, you know, with yeah. Pepsi or Coke under his wing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But good for him. Good. Like, it's nice to see that he can do that, you know, that he's not all poop jokes and fart jokes and dick jokes and whatnot. It's really fascinating stuff, man. Um, yeah. can't believe we've talked about this for so long already, but have we <laughs> yeah. even talked about the film? No, <laughs> this has just been like all Adam Sa- Sandler, like knowledge and weird nuances and whatnot. Oh, man, that's so crazy. But it's, you know yeah. what, like we, we talked, we've teased, we've talked about doing an Adam Sandler episode for a long time. And I think, mm-hmm. I think this is why, because like every, every single film he does kind of follows the same formula. Yeah. And once you see it, it'll either, it'll either, um, send you running for the hills or it will mm-hmm. make you respect him more in a weird kind of, um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Entrepreneurial kind of way, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because what are we talking about but an entrepreneur? Like, he started as writing, you know, doing stand-up and dingy New York clubs mm-hmm. and writing for SNL. Like, he wasn't on yeah. SNL that much as a character actor. Like, he did The Opera Man. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what I mean? But, like, he started from, like, the basement office. Yeah. And, like, shot his way into the hearts of America. Yeah. I always remember it because, uh, like, watching that Chris Farley documentary. Oh, but yeah. apparently he... He had a lot to do with uh, Chris Farley and skits because Chris Farley never felt like confident in his ability to write skits. And the other thing that's really weird is SNL back in the like early '90s. There is a lot of these guys wrote their own skits. Yeah, they didn't have writers, and so Adam Sandler would a lot of the skits that you saw he would he would write himself. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And he was known to be one of the better, like, writers all at that time. Yeah, his sensibilities were right in line with where people were at comedically at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the 90s, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I miss Chris Farley so much. I <laughs> yeah, I know. Guy. I was just thinking of that uh, that salt and pepper skit that they did. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so Adam's, like, a cool little fact about that is Adam Sandler wrote that uh, skit and I guess Chris Farley was off somewhere, um, like, I think this was the time that he was uh, doing one of his movies. And so he had to fly back into back in so that he could do this one scene with Adam Sandler because he, like, wrote the scene. Right. And so um, I think his line originally in the movie was, or in the, in the skit, was supposed to be like, oh, why? Yes, thank you. But Chris Farley wasn't happy because he, was, he got called in to do this and only had one line. So he decided to like completely like ham it up as much as possible. <laughs> And so when you watch it, like you just uh, you just see him in his like what is it like a Texan accent or whatever? And he's just <laughs> yeah. like, "Why, thank you, Pepper Boy," <laughs> and he just that. hams it up completely. And you see uh, Adam Sandler like completely get caught off guard and start to break character and laugh at him because he had he had no idea that was coming. This is an art of the Pepper Boy, Carlo. Don't let it die with me. Please let me teach it to you. Teach me, Senor Marco. We had to fly all the way back from Toronto to do the show, and I wasn't even in it. All right. You see that the man right there? Farley was in it, but he only had one line in that sketch, so he was mad about it. So he put on this huge beard. He looked ridiculous. He was, watch this line, I'll get a laugh. And I'm like, I don't think so. You're not supposed to. It's supposed to be Sandler, but... He goes, oh, yeah? Huh? Bite his lip, and you knew you were in trouble. Why? Pepper boy, that's the perfect amount of pepper. Bravo! Yeah, I miss Chris Farley too. Yeah. It's it's so sad that like this uh, like the newer generation will never know who he was. Chris Farley, can you imagine um, what kind of films Chris Farley would have went on to make if he had uh, still been with us? Jeez. Or the cameos that he would be doing in all of these Adam Sandler movies. Oh, he'd steal them all. He would steal the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way he would he wouldn't be cameoing, man. He'd be his he'd be a leading man. Like there's no way. Mm. He can't hold a candle to his energy. It's unbelievable. No. Oh, I get so nostalgic just thinking about this. Yeah, yeah, if you listener, if you're not familiar with Chris Farley's work, I encourage you to YouTube the heck out of it because um yeah. talk about uh, a comic genius gone too soon for sure 
Yeah, go watch Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> yeah. So, Aaron, talking, let's let's narrow our focus right down to this okay, specific okay. film. Yeah. Uh, what would you specifically like to defend about this Adam Sandler product? <laughs> um, so, I would like to create a new system of rating Adam Sandler movies. Um mm-hmm. Because I I feel like the percentage wise of like whether it's like three percent, hundred percent, I don't know, five out of ten, it doesn't really work because that's not what these movies are about. It's not about getting the ratings there. It's about pure entertainment. And so there's only like a couple of boxes that you need to check. Like, did it make you laugh? Yes. And like, were you entertained? Yes. And if so, it's a it's a it's a good movie. Like you mm. you you almost have to. I don't want to say dumb down your like critic rating or whatever, but you just have to have. Uh, well, you have to expect less. Is is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I was kind of thinking. Um... With his movies, you can be in one of two camps. You can look at that three percent and say, you know, oh, this is the worst movie ever made. This deserves all of the Razzies, and this is a cynical sign of the times where cinema's heading. Ah, yeah, that's one. That's one camp he can be in, which I totally understand. Um, or he can be in the other camp where you say, oh my goodness, look at this entrepreneurial guy who went from writing from, you know, doing stand-up and writing for SNL to literally mm-hmm. hacking Hollywood to help make him and his <laughs> friends like multimillionaires. It's it's so weird defending a guy who is literally worth half a billion dollars already. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. That didn't mm-hmm. happen by accident. That happened because people enjoy his brand. They enjoy what he's putting out yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. And maybe it's not us. Like, again, there's probably people listening to this being like, dude, I already like Adam Sandler movies. Like, I <laughs> I already know everything you're saying. You can't just, yeah. like, put a critical rating on Adam Sandler movies without lifting the hood and checking what's under there. You just can't. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So if Adam Sandler offered you a part in his movie to do a cameo, would you do it? Oh, 100%. Yeah, me too. And, and I guess that's another kind of thought behind of why you see all these guys in his movies. Because, like, why not? Yeah, especially if he says, I'm going to give you, like, 1% of the uh, product placement take. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, why wouldn't you, you know? Like, this movie had Norm MacDonald hanging from a light fixture in a bathroom. <laughs> oh, like... old Mr. Fun Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, who, like, I just, I I just feel like my understanding of what uh, of what he's doing increased tenfold uh, yeah. watching this film. And, like, again, yeah. I'm saying, like, I understand the cynical side of this. I get the hate. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. But Adam Sandler, I don't know if he's written a book, but he could write a book about, like, you know, business lessons or or mm. how to grow your brand or any of that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying that next week we're going to start having Subway ads in our podcast because we're for sure freaking not. But what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say is there's, like, there is something unique happening here and it's worth paying attention to Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a like WTF moment of the movie? Yeah, I do. Well, yeah. It, here's the thing for them. For me, this whole movie is kind of a WTF moment. Oh <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that too. It is. So, so the moment I picked, um, was kind of just the one that made me laugh the most. Um, yeah. Was when his adopted son, um, Oh, this is my too. Is it I really? Know exactly is it really? What you're saying. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. This was gonna be my too. He says, "What are you gonna wear, Daddy? In hell?" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was exactly the one I left. That the the kid. And by the way, he is uh, he is the same. Let's let's get his name here. Oh my gosh! I it was the one honest, hard earned laugh that this movie really got out of me. <laughs> so Ro- Rohan Chan, yeah. which is Gary, his son, Gary. who also plays Mowgli in the newest in the in the live I action Mowgli. I thought movie. I recognized him. Yeah, yeah. This kid for me stole this movie. Oh, like yeah. he was by far the best actor out of everyone. It just had like his like comedic timing was just on in everything that he did. And yeah, I oh, I I thought that I thought he stole the show. <laughs> he taped stuff to himself, which is a very yeah. very unique 
character trait. Um, oh my goodness, the other laugh that this movie got out of me it was the same. The same. Uh, the kids responsible for the same laugh was where Jill. Um, okay, he's got like that that salt shaker taped to his yeah. head, and Jill <laughs> grabs it and like moves it to salt her potatoes or whatever. Oh my gosh, yeah. so funny. So funny. <laughs> he definitely stole the show for me in this. Definitely defend Rohan Chan. And mm-hmm. also definitely want to defend Al Pacino. Oh, Al Pacino was, oh, he was so funny. Yeah, absolutely. Stole the show. Um, I still don't quite understand why he's in this, except to make money, of course. But he yeah. he was so like self-aware and fun in yeah. this. It's just awesome to see like such a serious actor like Al Pacino just cut loose and ham it up. I agree. It's, it's something so refreshing about seeing actors do that. So I, I like I'm always a fan of whenever these kind of cameos happen. But there, there's also the other side of the coin here where you had Johnny Depp, where it was just kind of like, why is Johnny Depp in here? Because he didn't really like do anything other than wear a wear a Justin Bieber shirt. He was honestly probably already at that Lakers game. Just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam Sandler's like, oh, could you hold still for a second? We're going to film a scene. Well, this is my question, though, because, like, did you notice how whenever Adam Sandler was talking to them at the Lakers game, like, you could clearly tell they were in a green screen. Yeah. And Johnny Depp had, like, a uh, a double, a stand-in that was clear, like, in a couple of the shots that Johnny Depp wasn't even there for all of the cameo. <laughs> yeah, which is like, it's so weird. I was so confused by this that I, I, I Aaron, I, I watched the entire credits for this and like studied it with like, <laughs> and sure enough, Johnny Depp had an actual like photographic stand-in. That's insane. Just for a cameo. Like he couldn't even be bothered to do the whole cameo. <laughs> oh, I really liked uh, David Spade's cameo as well. He cracked, <laughs> Man, he cracked me up quite a bit. I did not need to see that. That's burned into my uh, brain. I love it. He, he, he made the ending of the movie for me there. Because I like, sorry to go back to this, but again, like Chris Farley, David Spade, yeah. going back to those days, like oh, Tommy Boy Black and Sheep. Uh, Black Sheep, like watching those movies and then... It just always seemed like David Spade was lost once uh, Chris Farley passed away. But yeah, it was it was just nice. It was nice to see him doing a role like this. It cracked me up quite a bit. I think he was the glue that was really holding those those guys together. You know, Chris Farley. Yeah, I I would argue that Adam Sandler wouldn't have had this weird career trajectory if it wasn't for the passing of Chris Farley. Oh, I would. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. Chris Farley always seemed kind of like the voice of reason comedically in a lot of the stuff they did. Mm-hmm. Even though he was such an off-the-wall guy, I still feel like his sensibility was a lot more grounded. Yeah. yeah. He, he he also seemed like he set the bar, right? Yeah. Like, he was always always willing to take it to the next step and, like, escalate things and, like, uh, and not it, be... Yeah. And his physical comedy, like one, like, none of these guys do physical comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. Chris Farley, I mean, if he was all around today, he would still be doing physical comedy. Yeah. Ah, uh, what a shame. What a shame. You know, <laughs> again, it's it's so easy to watch this film and rip it apart, and that's obviously that's not what our podcast is about. And there's no there's a thousand YouTube videos out there that will gladly gladly do that for you. Um, yeah. But again, this really opened my eyes because this is one of our, like I, like I said before, this is one of Adam Sandler's last like studio films before he went into Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Jack and Jill was him kind of trying to see how much he could really get away with. Like he'd been pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope, and in this movie, just like booted it over the edge and was like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna just try everything and see what I can get away with. And finally, we all cracked down on him and said, whoa, man, this is this is too far. You've gone too far. There's too many products. This is too ridiculous. 3%. No, sir. We're drawing the line right here. But what does he do? He goes and gets a Netflix deal and just keeps on going and starts setting streaming mm-hmm. records. And you know what I mean? Just keeps on trucking. Yeah. 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 Oh, Waterboy. How did I forget about that movie? Mm. Yeah, I we didn't mention that. Movie that. Yeah. That was another good Adam Sandler movie. Gatorade. Yeah, it was good. Bobby, boys are the devil. Or wait, no, girls are the devil. <laughs> I ruined that one. <laughs> oh, I always remember yelling that at my friends yeah. all the time. 
I was a real cool kid. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, I think if mm-hmm. if I was gonna recommend Jack and Jill, mm-hmm. um, I would I wouldn't recommend it to like uh, film buffs per se. Because, no. because like if you can't you can't compare this to say like a Scorsese film you know or something uh-huh. like you, you can't you can't do that like like you just can't this is different this is this is a product it's not so much a movie as it is um, a product so I would recommend this film to um, people say like business students like people who are you know studying marketing uh-huh. maybe um, yeah. You have to unpack this film while watching it. You can't just watch it and take it scene for scene. You have to look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. So I think my recommendation would be check it out, but check it out with all of what we just said in mind. Like look at it from yeah. Adam Sandler's point of view. Don't get all, yeah. you know, if if you want to blast this film apart, like that's that's too easy. Yeah, like, I I would say I recommend this movie from anyone what born from the years nineteen eighty five to what like nineteen ninety nine. No, I think we yeah. Um, you're gonna you're gonna feel like nostalgic about watching his stuff, and you're gonna have a good time. Don't go into it thinking that you're gonna like this is going to be some great, awesome movie, but just a lighthearted uh, comedy. Like, that's all, that's all they ever are, right? Poking fun at, uh, like, social situations, things that go on, uh, poking fun at people, and, uh, you know, all, like, just just stuff like that. Like, as, as long as you're okay with um, it not being a super serious movie, then, like, you're going to like it. Yeah, like, this was technically billed as, like, a family uh, Thanksgiving film. Yeah. Oh, Click. Click was another good movie. Yeah, that one was pretty interesting. I liked Christopher that was Walken like a, in that I, one. <laughs> uh, I would, I like. I don't know how many times I walk into Bed Bath and Beyond and ask where the Beyond section is now. <laughs> like, it's he always gotcha. a joke. I make. it's he like gotcha. it's the classic like dad joke to make when you're in uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Yo, where's the Beyond section? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that was like a great like family uh, orientated movie as well. That's the thing. He rides this really, really thin and strange line between mm-hmm. like uh, perverted and family, and it's just. I feel enough. like those are the best though, because everyone who like say you have younger kids and you want to take them to go see a movie, or it's family night and you want to watch a movie, you don't want to watch like some child child movie that you don't really get anything, and you're only watching it so that you're uh, like so that your kids are happy. But right. this movie has something for like everything in it, everyone in it, right? And those are those are always like the best movies and probably the most marketable because they apply to like a way larger audience. Right. And there's very few Thanksgiving films as well, so. Mhm. Yeah. It's wild, man. It's really really wild. Yeah. Well, Aaron, um I mean, there's there's so much, uh, there, there's so many specifics to get into with this film, but I feel mm-hmm. like we, um, we had, again, like we had teased a, ja- we, we had teased an Adam Sandler episode for a long time. And yeah, I feel like this is a pretty good, um, broad stroke as to like what he's all about. Um, mm-hmm. Jack and Jill, I feel like was a really good, um, target for this because it was just such a culmination of years of building towards this insanity. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I have to admit one thing. I'm a sucker for these like cameos that uh, that he d- he did. It was always one of my favorite parts of watching uh, Adam Sandler movies is to see like um, like how this person is going to be portrayed in the movie, and it's almost <laughs> one of those like fun things, you know, yeah. where you're like looking for this guy. But and that's kind of sad because I didn't see any Rob Schneider in this movie. Oh yeah, and, is there something going yeah. on with those two, or what's the story there? I I think that there is something going on there. I don't know 100%. I haven't had a chance to uh, look into it more. Mm-hmm. Maybe if any of our listeners out there uh, know a little bit, they can fill us in on it. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Something going on there. I, oh, another another like movie quote that I still say to this day is, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, many, how many people still say that from like, what is it, Waterboy? You can do it. And then there was like the other other part of it was um, like Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider movies too was always entertaining. Yeah. And and like 
just getting back into the day and age of, uh, you know, superhero movies and things like that, like movies like this don't really come along. And it's only Adam Sandler who can like really pump out movies like this that will still make it to the theater. Can you imagine like any other uh, actor making a movie like this and it making like $150 million? Yeah, it, it just doesn't happen. It's it's only possible with uh, Adam Sandler. Imagine the confidence in a guy who can, like, write a script in a weekend that's, like... I, again, this movie had, like, two rewrites and a bunch of different writers and stuff. But, like, can you imagine mm-hmm. just the, the sheer tenacity to be, like, this movie's going to be about me dressing as my twin. It's going to be full of fart jokes and, like, culturally insensitive humor and all this stuff. And it's going to make over $100 million. Yeah. It's... Ah, oh, it's so weird. It's It really is so weird to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dan, should we even bother giving this uh, movie a rating? No, I think I think our whole argument here is that you don't... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Go watch this movie and just have fun with it. Aaron, how many Sony films have we done in this podcast? Oh, it's like, it's almost to the point where we have to um, maybe check (laughs) that they aren't Sony movies because I feel like we have done so many. It wasn't even on purpose, I I swear. Like we we No, it's never been on purpose. No, it's it's really, really unbelievable. There's a trend. Like... We never look at who um, who like markets the movie or publishes the movie. We ne- we never do, but I think we might actually have to. Just for variety's sake, we might have to start checking in because it's getting pretty. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing a pattern. But again, like a lot of these movies are profitable. Yeah, yeah. If it's one thing, Aaron, I've learned from our first season of doing this. Um, as you so eloquently said a few episodes back, is like rating movies is just a trash way of evaluating <laughs> like how you yeah. how you see films. <laughs> yeah, it, it really means nothing. It really, yeah. At the end of the day, a lot of people still made money. Exactly. All right, man. Well, I think that's all I have to say about 2011's Jack and Jill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aaron, what are you thankful for, man? We're, we're heading into Thanksgiving here, and we swapped these episodes in a jiffy because of some great stuff that happened, but is there anything that you were thankful for heading into this? Um, yeah, you know, obviously I'm thankful for my family, my mm. friends, my health, like all, you know, all that classic cliche stuff. <laughs> uh, but most of all, I'm happy, happy for all of you listeners who actually take time out of your day to download a podcast and uh, listen to us two just ramble on about movies mm-hmm. and uh, laugh at our own jokes, you know, <laughs> that you guys actually do that. It's uh, it's an incredibly, like, humbling experience, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Every week I'm just blown away by the support. And, uh, yeah, from me and, mm-hmm. from me and my twin here, Pagogo, we just want to say thank you so much. <laughs> um yeah, to all of our listeners around the world, thank you so much for tuning in. And um, yeah, yeah uh, let us know what you thought of today's episode. And uh, you can reach out to us on all the social medias. We actually, we're on Facebook now. We're kind of begrudgingly, we opened up a Facebook page as well. So you can connect with us yeah. there as well to search us, uh, IDO Movie Podcast. Um, and uh, uh, if you want to support the show, uh, please leave us a, um, a rating and a comment. And mm-hmm. feel free to subscribe because um, it helps us in the old iTunes charts and stuff, helps us climb up. Um, we are we are pretty proud to be ad-free and sponsor-free at this point in time. So, you know, mm-hmm. all this growth has been organic and it's just been through support from listeners like you. So yeah. thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And to all our Canadian listeners out there, happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> and and uh, American listeners, don't you worry, because we have, a th- we have an episode coming, a Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. And yeah, yes. we're 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 so delighted to get the actual director on the phone for you guys. Mm-hmm. We're gonna ask him all sorts of questions, so it's you can't miss it. It's gonna be probably the best episode of our season. Yeah. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, Aaron. Bye. See you guys. This must never be seen by anyone. <laughs>